You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here's today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. It's the day after the Adulting Awards, and we're looking back at all the highlights from last night's most prestigious award show. That's right. It was a night to honor some of the top adulting moments and performances from this past year. The red carpet was full of selfies and candid poses. Dudes strutting their tight buns up and down the red carpet. Man buns, that is. Let's take a look at some of the awards that were handed out last night. Winner of the best short film in the Snapchat category went to Daniel for his video, About to Pump Some Iron. Atticus took home the best costume design award for his stylish interpretation of a lumberjack. The portrayal of a man's man who still does not know how to change a tire. And we know who the Meryl Streep of the Adulting Awards is, as Brooke Dawson took home her fourth consecutive award for her performance at her younger sister's engagement party. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. We saw Ethan take home the award for the acting job he did in pretending to enjoy holding his buddy's newborn baby. Even with the baby screaming, he still held it together. The upset of the night happened in the best villain category when the favorite to win, friends who post too much about CrossFit, got beat out by gluten. You can't underestimate how much people hate gluten. You're, you guys, you're not just sensitive to gluten. You're sensitive to everything. Go eat your quinoa waffle. The award for best cinematography with hashtag no filter was David's work in pictures of an airplane wing from out my window. And the award for the best script in a 140 character tweet went to Denise for her truth bomb of a tweet. Throwback Thursday is just an excuse to post pictures of when you were skinny. There wasn't a dry eye in the room when Peyton accepted his Harambe Courage Award for setting up a Roth IRA savings account? You know, perhaps the most touching moment of the evening was during the In Memoriam section, where we said goodbye to all of our friends who had babies this past year. The biggest talk today has been concerning the evening's controversial finish to the final award. That's right. The night's biggest honor went to... Everyone, if you haven't received your award yet, come on down here, get your participation award. Everyone went home a winner. The show lasted a record seven and a half hours as they wanted to make sure that everyone went home feeling recognized and rewarded. It truly was a magical night. All right, well, I show you that to show you how different people can be. Some of us that are older don't even totally understand participation awards. I mean, like when I was a kid, there was like one award and everybody tried their hardest to get it. And if you didn't get it, then you weren't the winner. You were the loser and you tried harder. And that's kind of the way that life is. The idea that, you know, there's people that are kind of adults becoming adults and then doing new adult things. I experienced that with my kids growing up, especially the one I have at home, which is now an adult living in my house, growing up. And so all of that can be really complicated. It's complicated to understand relationships. It's complicated to understand why people don't do things the way that you would do it or why people don't automatically think like savings accounts or normal, you know, new adulting things. As we go through life, everything's changing and people have different priorities. And I mean, when I was 
young, you know, we didn't, we didn't text. We didn't really, when I was young, we didn't email. I mean, to send a letter, my granddaughter sends me emails all the time now. You know, you wanted to contact somebody when I was a kid, you could send a letter or a postcard. Actually, now if you really want to get somebody's attention, don't send them a text and don't send them a Facebook message or whatever. Send them a handwritten letter and you'll totally blow them away. They'll be like, what? They wrote this with their own hands? So they really get their attention. But you can't really see it very well on that screen, but that is a sunflower that somebody made a frowny face in, and it is sad. Complicated relationships can really make you sad, and you really have to figure out what is it about the relationship that makes it so complicated and what makes it so difficult. I mean, when you go through life, there are some people that just won't like you. Maybe you don't even know why. Maybe you did something to cause it. Maybe you were better than them in something and they hate you for that. Or maybe they look down upon you because they're so much better at something than you. I was at one place where this person didn't like me and I tried to get to the bottom of why doesn't this person like me? It's because I look like somebody that they used to know that they didn't like. So therefore I was guilty by facial association, which was weird. It was a manager at a place that I work. I'm like, why doesn't he like me? Oh, because it reminds him of somebody else. It is tough to figure out how to figure uh, complicated relationships and what you can do. Sometimes you can figure things out easy. Sometimes it's easy to figure things out. September 2nd, during the message for hope, the Pullman Bible Dictionary defined hope as a trustful expectation, particularly with reference to the fulfillment of God's promises. Biblical hope is the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. More specifically, hope is the confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. So in my car, uh, my check engine light's been going off. It hasn't gone off before. So I've got this little device thing that I can plug in and access the onboard diagnostic computer and it sends a report to my phone and tells me what it is. So I plug it in and this is what it said. It said this uh, mass airflow circuit range performance and evaporative emission system vent valve. So if you get that translated, easy to do online, what that means is I need to clean my mass airflow sensor because it's not getting the right information, and I probably need a new gas cap. So not a big deal, not the end of the world. So able to easily diagnose the trouble there of what's going on, what's causing my performance trouble. Sometimes you have performance trouble and you don't know why. Other times, like check engine lights go off, and you know that something's not right. In our Christian lives, sometimes the Holy Spirit tips us off onto what's going on and things that need to be changed. Again, there's no way to easily you know, fix every relationship, but there's this book that has been around for years. I figured that if a book has been around since like 1989 and it's still in print, that there must be something to it. So people are still buying this book called How to Get Along with Almost Anyone by H. Norman Wright. And he talks about uh, the difficulties of life and even work. He's He writes, the place where I work is like a melting pot. We have employees of every size, shape, and style of communication. I have 15 people working under me, and sometimes I feel like a zookeeper who must learn the habits and characteristics of 15 completely different species of animals in order to get along with them all. I can talk to some of my people, and we just click. We understand each other and get along well. But with others of my employees, I try to communicate, and you'd think I was speaking in a foreign language. We don't click. We'd all get along better if we weren't so different. In this book, he has all sorts of descriptions of different types of people and ways that you can work 
to try to make the relationship work, but basically he said the biggest thing, and if I had a bumper sticker like Dan always has a bumper sticker, is you might not be able to change the people around you, but you can change yourself. You might not be able to change the relationships with the people around you, but you can change the way that you react to them. You can change yourself. And that's kind of what we wanted to focus on today was changing ourself. And he has this chapter in here about changing yourself, fixing yourself. And first thing they need to know is that God loves you and accepts you and that you need to have a healthy self-image and figure out what it is about you that causes relationship difficulties or causes you not to like people. Or when you look in the mirror, causes you to not be happy with yourself. And then he writes about ways to deal with difficult people. So again, I recommend that if you're looking for uh, a good book, they don't have this one on Kindle, but it is a good book that you could buy and read. It would be helpful, but one thing you can do is fervently pray for the people that you're having a difficult relationship with. We need to talk to our Heavenly Father about these difficult people. We cannot relate to them on our own. We need to see them, their hurts and their potential through His eyes. We need to remember that God loves these people so much that He sent His Son to die for them. Praying for the negative person doesn't just mean, Lord, please change him. Rather, you need to ask God to bless this person with His best for him or her. Ask God for the strength you need to relate to this person in a genuine, loving way, which does not reinforce or condone the problem. And then lovingly interact with them and to pursue that relationship. But in the book, he describes all different types of people and different types of personalities and ways that you can deal with that. So it's good. On Right Now Media, the free video service that we offer you, if you search under relationships, there's quite a few good ones too. There's one by Gary Smalley, a video, and the video quality is absolutely terrible, especially on a 4K TV. But the information on there is pretty good. So if you could endure watching it, it's worth watching. One of the interesting things, though, is when you try to think about getting along with almost everyone, is there are some people you just won't get along with. And the earth is a very big place. And you can move freely around the earth, and a lot of times you don't necessarily have to interact with that person all the time. I mean, you can move, you can get a new job. If it's a family member, you can pray about it and try to go through life and you know, set some boundaries for yourself. There's another book, actually, a good book is Boundaries. Henry Cloud, maybe. The idea of you know, praying for people and really focusing on being who you need to be and worshiping and living for God in the right way and then asking for help to deal with the difficult people, but focusing on changing yourself in the way that you respond. So A, prioritize your relationship with God. Prioritize your relationship with God. Colossians 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So when we pray, we're talking to God about our problems. We're not just praying for stuff. We're not just asking for stuff. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So we pray for the difficulties we have in life. We pray for the situations at work. We pray for the opportunities we need. We pray for the difficult neighbor. We pray for the house that's going to be for sale and the new neighbor that could move in. We pray for peace among people that cause us conflict and difficulty, those people that are jealous of us or competitive and they want our job. We pray that God would help us to honor and to serve Him in the way that we act and to treat those people well. You always come out ahead when you put God first. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Verse 3, pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about His mysterious plan concerning Christ. So we pray that God would open the doors. You know, we, our church, you know, 
We want you to focus on four things. I feel as the pastor that if you have like a compass in your life and you focus on these four things, focus on doing these four things, that you will live a great life, a life that makes a difference for God. And that's on the sign there, well. And I know it's become used everywhere. I see even the furniture place on the highway now says something about living a well life. We were using it way before all those other people were, but for us it's worshiping, encouraging, learning, and loving. Worshiping, encouraging, learning, and loving. So in whatever situation you're in, no matter the difficulty that you have with the person, think about, okay, there's the way I treat this person, an act of worship before God. Is the way that I treat this person honor God? Am I doing anything that I shouldn't be? You know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Am I treating this person unfairly? Am I not doing what I should be doing? It's really easy to get drawn into a conflict. It's really easy to say things out of anger. It's really easy to do things out of vengeance. And as an act of worship, Are you doing what you should be doing in the right way to honor God? You always come out ahead when you put God first. One of the hardest things to do in life is to treat people better than they deserve, but it honors God. And then encouraging. Are you encouraging that person to pursue God? Are you encouraging the person to move forward in the relationship? Are you encouraging the person that hurts you to seek forgiveness? Are you moving forward? Are you learning together? Sometimes you go through a difficulty and you can learn from that experience. And maybe that person, you can interact with that person and say, when you did that, it was very hurtful. Uh, When you said that, when you treated me that way, it was very hurtful. And then they can learn that they shouldn't do that. That's not the way to treat people. They can learn, they can change, and to love, love and to forgive. So pray for us that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. We always want to focus on where we are, where God has planted us, and how we can pursue and promote Christ. We want every person around us to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then Paul writes, that is why I am here in chains. So he was, Paul was held captive as a prisoner because he was doing God's will. When I look at that, that just jumps out at me. It says, that is why I'm here. That is why I am here. Look at your job. Look at your neighborhood. Look at the friends that you have and the people that you know and pray about it and ask God, why am I here? What is it you want me to do while I'm at this workplace or while I'm taking these classes or while I'm living in this neighborhood? What can I do? Is there anything that I can do to honor you with my life? Why am I here? And then think about that, pray about that, and know that your number one priority is to honor Christ and to live for Christ, and that is why you are here. Maybe you're not in chains, but maybe you're stuck in a dead-end job, but God can use that. God can use that. And then you pray about that, and maybe he'll open a door, or maybe he's got you right where he wants you. Maybe you're underwater on your house. You couldn't move if you wanted to because you owe so much, but God can use that to keep you where he wants you. Many times when God wants you to move on, he'll totally open the door and provide everything that you need at the right time. But think about where you are, even if you feel stuck, and think about, okay, God has me here. He must have me here for a reason. What can I do while I'm here? And then Paul writes, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. And we should pray that we would say the right things, that we would proclaim the message, that we would share the gospel, that we would give hope, that we would say the right things. And we should also pray that we wouldn't say too much or say the wrong things. And then we should pray for others. We should pray for pastors and missionaries and others around us that are proclaiming Christ, that we would proclaim Christ's message, that we would proclaim the gospel. So prioritize your relationship with God, and that will totally change your perspective of the situation with the relationships where you're in and the people that you're around, especially when you think about, okay, this person is hurtful and this person is difficult. Maybe they need Christ, or maybe they need to repent of their sin and follow Christ. Maybe they need to learn about living the Christian life. How can I help that? Prioritize your relationship with God. 
B, pursue your relationship with others. Sometimes it seems like it'd be so great if we just, you know, had like a little Christian community and we just did our own Christian things and, you know, we just lived in this perfect place and we are not touched or bothered by all the non-Christians or the people, the non-believers, the wicked, evil sinners, all those people. But Paul writes in Colossians 4 verse 5, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. So to live wisely among those who are not believers, which means that you should be out among them, being salt and light in the world, and you should be pulled down into like sinful things that they do, but you should be a light and help pull them up. Let them see Christ in you. Let them see that you're different, that you have character that is honorable and trustworthy, that Christ is in your life. And at work, they'll see you as someone that they can trust and respect, that will do the job no matter what. When people are looking or not working, you can be counted on to be a person that is respected, to be a person that is godly, to be a person that is wise, live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. There was a time when I was at work and I was wanting to focus on memorizing verses and stuff like that. And you know, I had other times during the day I could do it, but I would go off during lunch and I'd I'd go off from my lunch break off in the grass and do my own little thing with my Bible and everything and then go back in after lunch and just totally not associate with the other people that were having lunch in the lunchroom. Kind of a missed opportunity. If I had it to do over again, I would have focused on trying to memorize those verses and stuff at a different time and to see, you know, how I could build a rapport and, you know, interact with those other people during lunch. That would be a better way to use that opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. That is so hard, but if you pray about it and if you think about it and you ask God to help you in it and you try to use your words wisely and try to focus on, is, am I worshiping God and the things that I do and say? Is what I'm going to say, is it encouraging? Is there something that they can learn from me? Or can I learn something from them? And am I showing love? Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So in Colossians 3, if you look back, uh, we had covered some of that before when we talked about families and everything, but we did it kind of in a hurry. And I just wanted to read through those three paragraphs again. It's in your bulletin on the second page. But if you look at these verses and you look at the things that are listed here, some of the things that are considered sin, some of the things that are considered wrong, some of the things that you need to put off, Some of the things you need to stop doing are the exact things that are ruining relationships, the exact things that are making it so that the relationship doesn't work between you and someone else. Paul writes in Colossians 3.8, Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So anger, rage, lying, those are things that totally destroy relationships. If you exaggerate, if you lie, you should come clean and say, you know, what I said wasn't really true. The fish wasn't really that big. It was like that big. I don't know why I said that. I just, I get so excited about fishing or... Um, you know how much I like the Vikings, and I'm really sorry that I insulted you and said all those terrible things about you when I saw you wearing your Packers cheese head today. Don't lie to each other. You've stripped off your old sinful nature. And maybe this is what you used to be. Maybe people are surprised when they're trying to relate to you in this new you, because now you're living in Christ. The Holy Spirit's working in you. You're changing. You're not that same swearing, storytelling, 
uh, you know, exaggerator, uh, womanizer, or whatever that you used to be. And people think it's weird that you're not that way anymore. And they're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so holier than now? Or whatever. But to, you're set free to live in a relationship with Christ. And whether someone has a degree, you know, a you know, great degree or not, no degree at all, whether they are black or white or mixed race, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in Christ that Christ died for all, cares for all, loves all, and Christ is all that matters. So we should live in a relationship with Christ and know that we are free and that we should try to interact with anybody and we should try to live a life that totally transforms us. So Christ in us, we're reading God's Word, the Holy Spirit's working on us, we're totally changing, we're putting off that old nature, we're putting on the new nature, we're set free from sin, and we are living in a way that honors Christ, Colossians 3.12. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, so think about that, God chose you to do His will, to show you His love, to make you like Jesus. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Forgive everyone who offends you. You know, when you are living among people, especially ones that don't know Christ, or even people in the church sometimes, People are going to disappoint you. People are going to lie. And you can expect it. And you shouldn't say, well, that person lied to me, so I'm never going to talk to them again because I can never trust them again. You know, there are certain areas where people are so hurtful and everything that you might need to seek counseling or get counseling together with this person and work through this. And if someone's like a habitual liar or abusive or whatever, um, maybe you need to, to separate for a while. Maybe you need to find ways to change the situation. But be quick to forgive. Be quick to expect that Christians, well, non-Christians for sure, but even Christians are going to fall. They're going to sin. They're going to lie. They're going to do things that are hurtful. They're going to say things that are hurtful. They might gossip. They might do all these things. And know that Christ is working on them. They are in a process. They are not all that they should be, and we are not all that we should be. We're all going to fall. We're all going to make mistakes, and we should be quick to help each other up and to keep moving forward in Christ. We should keep walking forward in Christ to be quick to forgive, quick to be merciful, kind, humble, gentle, patient, and to move forward. And that will totally make a difference in a lot of your relationships. I mean, when you have a little kid, you don't expect them to do everything perfectly. You're just like, oh, they're little, like, kind of expected that. And as they grow up, then you you expect them to do the right things. But every now and then, they, they fall, make a mistake, make a mess or whatever. When it comes to eternity, a lot of that stuff's not going to matter. But do all you can to live this life honoring Christ by the way that you treat others and the way that you are quick to forgive. Again, I'm not saying that they have a license to just step over, to run over you and to, to lie all the time or to use you or abuse you. But I'm saying that people are going to fall. Help them get back up. Pursue Christ. Maybe even you come alongside them sometimes and you say, you know, that was a sin before God and hurtful to me. Maybe we should go to God right now and just pray about that together. And they pray, uh, God, forgive me for lying and saying those things. That was so wrong. Help me not to do it again. And the other person prays, Lord, I thank you for this time, for this person that I care about. And Lord, I forgive them and help us to move forward in a great relationship and to trust each other. So anyway, Sir Christ through relationships. Relationships are huge. And then share your Christ relationship, Colossians 3.16. 
Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So the message about Christ is priority in your life. You want to share what you know of Christ. You want to share the Christian life. You want to share how somebody can get saved, how that person then grows in their relationship with Christ. You want to share the hope that Jesus is going to return and he's going to reward us for faithfully serving him. And you want to take opportunity to teach what you know to the people around you to help them to grow in the Christian life. Maybe you go out, maybe you go hunting with them. Maybe you go out for coffee. Maybe you go to a game together and you think, okay, what opportunities do I have to share Christ with this person? Lord, how can I, what can I say? How can I encourage them? And then look for that with thankful hearts. Know that your relationship with Christ is one that's not just supposed to be kept to yourself, but supposed to spread out and overflow out of your lives into the lives of others. Share your relationship with Christ. And then Colossians 3, 18 to 20. And it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. So this is the rule for Christian family relationships. This does not say women submit to men. This says women submit to your husbands. What husbands? Husbands in the Lord. Husbands who are loving the Lord. Husbands who like totally love their wives so much that they are wanting to be the leader in their family, that God is holding them accountable to be the spiritual leader. And then wives who say, I trust that guy. I want to follow that guy. I want this from this guy. It doesn't mean that the wife doesn't do anything. When I married my wife, when I was looking for a wife, I wanted the girl that, that thought for herself, that could make things happen on her own. And I didn't want to have to micromanage her. So we work together as a team, and I'm the spiritual leader in the family. She like totally does great things, and we work together as a team. And so I don't want you to get caught up on that submit word, but it is possible and easy sometimes to get caught up on that. In a different book, they were asked, what are the four pillars of a relationship? So in the book, Relationships That Work by H. Norman Wright, also he wrote this, How to Get Along with Almost Anyone. What are the, out of all the things in a relationship, what are the four things that matter most? Relationship pillars, the things that you have to have to hold up the house, to make the relationship work. And number one was love. You have to have the pillar of love so that the person feels supported and safe and secure, that they have a sense of belonging, they know you care and that you accept them, so they need to feel love. The second one was trust, the pillar of trust. So when you trust someone, you trust that they're going to to help you, that you're going to be safe with them, that sometimes you end up dependent upon a person. To I mean, even if you get in the car with someone, you have to trust them. So you have to trust they're, they're, good, they're a good driver and they're not going to be distracted. So I was in the car one time with somebody that I really trusted. And as we're driving along, going pretty fast on the highway, he kept looking at me. He's driving like this and he's using his hands. And I told him, I said, if you look at me one more time, I'm going to stop talking to you. I'm like, there's no reason you can't look at the road while you talk to me. You don't have to look at me. I'm not going anywhere. Trust. We trust. That is huge. We have to trust each other to be in a relationship, a good relationship. People that say, I will be here for you. People that say, you can depend on me. And then the pillar of respect. We need to be respected. Respect is recognizing and acknowledging the other person's worth or value. People want to be 
respected. We need to respect others. We need to treat them in a respectful way. And then number four, the pillar of understanding or the pillar of knowledge. One of the things that really are important to understanding people, your coworkers, the people you go to school with, your neighbors or whatever, is to hear their story and to hear where they're coming from. Because sometimes when you hear where they came from and the things that they went through or the things that they experienced or the culture they grew up in, then you will be able to understand why they respond in a different way, why they react in a different way, why they might treat you in a different way because of the way they grew up or the culture they grew up with. So you got love, trust, respect, and understanding for relationship pillars. So if you wanted to really find out about life and you wanted like the secrets of life, you could get a life coach, which probably costs, or you can find a godly older couple that have been married for a long time, that are wise in, in the things of the Lord, and you could ask them about what are the things that made your marriage work, or what are, in, in life, what did you find to be most important? What did you find to be some things that should be focused on? So Kent and Barbara Hughes, Kent wrote this book, Disciplines of a Godly Man, back in 1991, and it's been around for a long time. It's still in print. You can get it on Kindle. I think you can actually get it as an audible audiobook, and you can get it from CBD. By the way, you could also get the How to Get Along with Almost Anyone from CBD, Christian Book Distributors, the Christian Book mega resource online to get your stuff. And then his wife came out with one too. And I actually had tracks for all of you. I have the 10 Disciplines of a Godly Woman and 10 Disciplines of a Godly Man. But I did not share them with you because in Barbara's rendition, when she was asked what are 10 disciplines that a godly woman should focus on, she repeatedly used the word submission. Discipline of prayer, submission's life, that S word really sets some people off. I mean, like I pictured somebody like looking at this and walking out the door thinking that this was about submitting to guys, submitting to a husband, which the Bible talks a lot about that, submission to a husband, but she is saying submission to God, walking in submission to God, which is good, but I didn't want to set you off and get you running out the door. So these will be on the back table. If you want the disciplines of a godly man or disciplines of a godly woman, you can have either one or both of them. But in your bulletin, I have printed out the list that they came up with. And the best thing you can do is to look through the track because we won't have time to cover it. Kent Hughes says a man should focus on these things. And then his wife, a godly woman, should focus on these other things. So a godly man, discipline of purity, relationships, mind, devotion, integrity, tongue, work, perseverance, church, and giving. Those are all huge. As a man... I read that book, and I'm like, that is awesome. That totally gives me a goal to shoot for. Totally shows me some things that I should be focused on as a man. Totally shows me some things, that areas that I should do so that I can live right in the Lord. To be involved in the church was the one that, when I was young, really you know, jumped out at me at the most. It's like, yeah, if I'm a man and I'm in the church, I should be involved. I should seek ways to serve. I should seek ways to grow. I should seek ways to make a difference. Uh, purity, relationships, all that's good. Godly woman... Gospel, submission to God, prayer, worship, uh, discipline of the mind is one they both have. Discipline of contentment, discipline of propriety, discipline of perseverance, that's also one they both share. Discipline of singleness or marriage, discipline of good deeds. So, and the reason that I put this in here is because if you want to be doing right in relationships, you need to know how you should be living your life. You need to know the things that you should focus on, the things that are going to trip you up if you don't have discipline and everyone needs to have discipline. So these will be on the back table back there by where the coffee parts are, and you can grab them and take a look at them. 
and share them with somebody if you want. But if you look at this, these are, this is a list that actually every woman should do everything on there. And every man should do everything on there. A godly man and a godly woman both came out with their list of top ten. So it's not the gospel. It's not the only list. It's not everything that could be said about everything. But it's huge. And it can totally make a difference in your life and relationship if you focus on becoming the person that you need to be so that God can use you and God can start to heal those relationships. Wayne Mack has written all these books on counseling and he's been like a Bible college and seminary professor teaching Bible counseling. John MacArthur thinks he's a wonderful Bible counselor and he started the Bible counseling program at the Master Seminary. And so he's got lots of years of experience and he agrees with me. I'm saying that you can't change everyone, but you can change you. And he says, it often happens that when couples get their relationship to God straightened out, their relationships with one another begin to straighten out as well. And you could change that couples with when students get their relationship to God straightened out, their relationships with one another begin to straighten out. Or you could change it to when coworkers or when neighbors get their relationship to God straightened out. When your relationship with God is the first priority, then you walk in humility. So you expect that people aren't going to be perfect. You expect that people are going to fall into temptation and to sin and to disappoint. But then you expect to find a way to forgive and to help them move forward. You expect that God can use you to help that person to change. Because that's what we're here for. Is we're here to live a godly life and to help other people learn to live a godly life so that they will change. And hopefully... As time goes on, we'll become those old people that the younger people look to, the younger people that are still trying to figure out how to adult, like we saw in the video, that look to for biblical advice to guide them through difficult times, to give them encouragement. And we need to point them to Jesus and point them to Scripture. With that, I'll pray and we'll be done. Jesus, I thank you so much that you've given us your word. You've given us so many godly voices, Lord, of, through books and through audio books and through websites and uh, through video and Lord, so many people are confused and they don't know how they should live in ways that please you. They don't know how they should live the Christian life. They, they see the Bible and they try to apply those principles, but they're not able to put it all together. And we thank you for uh, lists like the disciplines of a godly life. We thank you for godly counselors that have written many things to help us. We thank you for godly counselors that are available that we could go to to talk to them about the struggles, the relationship struggles that we have. But Lord, we pray for healing in relationships. We pray for insight so that we can see what we need to change in ourselves and how we can help others change. We pray for forgiveness. Lord, for those that we can't, we just have a hard time forgiving, we pray you'd put someone else in their life to help them to change and to walk with you and to uh, live a life that honors you. Um, no matter what they've done or where they've been, Lord, we might not be able to fix them. We might not even want to be around them. But we pray you'd put someone in their life and that as life goes on, that they would change and become godly people, and that you would be honored, and then Christ would be magnified. So we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. It would be great if you would let us know how you were encouraged by this message. We invite you to visit River Rock Church, 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find more messages to listen to, and get resources to help you grow in your faith at riverrockchurch.com.